there, this is Jen Wade, part of the core team here at Springs Church. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We are praying that it encourages you and it inspires you. And if you'd like to find out more about Springs Church, please visit our website, springschurch.co.uk. Here's today's message. As we, as we come around the word now, can we receive the word of God for what it is? The word of God, can we do that? And can we, can we live expectantly that the word of God will speak to our hearts this morning? Is that okay? Can we do that? So in worship, let me start by reading this psalm, Psalm 103. Let it be a caveat. Let it be a, a filter for our hearts this morning. Let it be beautiful. This is what David said. It's not on the screen. Psalm 103. It says, praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Is that beautiful this morning? Any hearts want to respond in worship to that? He crowns us with love and compassion. Wow. Who satisfies our desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Anyone want some of that? The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. It's good news. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us like our sins deserve or repay us according to our sins. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. So far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our sins from us. Is that good news this morning, church? As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we're formed. He remembers that we're just dust. The life of mortals, it's like grass. Um, it's the, what does he say? It's like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone. And that place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting... The Lord's love is with those who fear him. Anyone in the place this morning? And his righteousness with their children's children. Thank you, Jesus. With those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his ways, his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all these heavenly hosts. You, his servants, who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Could you just say, praise the Lord, oh my soul. Would you just say to your heart this morning, praise the Lord, oh my soul. Don't you forget who he is and how good he is. Wow. 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 In this place this morning, we worship the King of Kings and we come around the word of God and I like, the, I like the metaphor that, that when we come around the Word of God, it's like we light a campfire and we, and we just stay for a while and we get warm by it and we might even cook on it and we might even feed from that. But right now, can we, can, we, can we camp around the Word of God? Is that okay? I'm going camping in a few weeks and I'm hoping that the weather is going to be a little sunnier. Otherwise, they're going to be some pretty damp campfires. They might not get going. We ain't going to be a damp campfire this morning, are we, church? No. Come on, let's go from sparks to flames this morning. So this morning, um, 
it's a one-off message. It's not part of a series. And part of part of uh, me gets excited about that, and then the other part of me gets really uh, nervous because I'm like, okay, Lord, which message out of the plethora of messages might you want to say? But I'm really excited because uh, as I've prepared this week, I've gone to, and you'll be pleased as well, uh, I've gone to the third shortest book in the Bible. Is that okay, everyone? The third shortest book in the Bible. It's, uh, it's around 24 verses. That's all it is. And it's not, it's not even a book, actually. Did you know the Bible's made up of many books? And let's, It is. It's made up of many different books written by different people. And the, the book we're going to look at this morning is, in fact, a personal letter from a man called the Apostle Paul. Potentially, possibly, most likely, the greatest evangelist, the greatest proponent of the message of Jesus that has ever walked the face of the planet. And uh, he wrote a personal letter to a guy called Philemon. Good name, right? Philemon. Philemon's name means the one who kisses. I imagine his mum was like really proud when he was born and she just couldn't stop giving him a little kiss. Call him Philemon. I don't know, I'm making it up. That's not in the Bible. It feels like it should be. But this morning, uh, I'm going to be looking at this personal letter from the Apostle Paul to a guy called Philemon concerning another fellow that they know called Onesimus. Everyone say Onesimus. You don't want to miss what we can learn from Onesimus. See what I did there? That was quite good. It wasn't even in my notes. So that was good. I want to encourage you this morning that we can really learn some powerful life lessons and some God truths from a personal letter written 2,000 years ago. It's good, isn't it? And so let's do that. The year is AD 62. You up for a bit of a history lesson? It's the only thing I'm qualified in, teaching history. All right? So I'm going to give it a crack. Here we go. There's no exam at the end, though. The year's AD 62, roughly 30 years after Jesus lived, died, and was resurrected back to life. Okay, it's AD 62, 30 years after the life of Jesus. The Apostle Paul's writing this personal letter, and we're concerned with three characters in this lesson predominantly, although there are other names mentioned. We're concerned, first of all, with this guy Philemon. We're concerned with Onesimus, and we're concerned with the Apostle Paul himself. And so here we go. We've got to do a bit of background checking on these characters first. Is that Okay. You with me this morning? So what I'd love, love you to do is if you find this stuff interesting, get your phone notes out, make little notes, because it might just be that something of boring history speaks something of deep spiritual truth, and uh, we all get blessed. So here we go. So Philemon, he's a, he's, a, he's a wealthy, very wealthy Roman citizen, okay? And back in the day, 2,000 years ago, if you were a Roman citizen, you had all the rights and benefits of the empire of Rome, okay? So like this guy's killing it in life. He's got it all together. He's wealthy and he's a Roman citizen. And he's from a prosperous city in what is now Turkey called Colossae. Everyone say Colossae. So Colossae you can still visit today, although it's a ruin. Uh, it's not a big city like it was in Paul's day. So Philemon is a wealthy Roman city in a wealthy, uh, sorry, a wealthy Roman citizen in a wealthy city called Colossae. It's called Colossae because in Colossae there is um, there, there's a trade there that makes the people a lot of money, and it is dealing in red cloth. And the word col- uh, Colossae uh, comes from the colour Colisinum. Did anyone know there's a colour called Colisinum? No, you didn't, but. Turns out it is. Uh, so a colour called Colissinum, this colour red, the, 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 the fabric was, um, the, the fabric, the red fabric that was made in Colossae uh, made the city very, 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 very wealthy. And there's a good chance that, that Philemon made his money uh, connected to this trade. Maybe he was a farmer who provided the sheep for the cloth, or maybe he was a merchant and buying and selling uh, you know, the dye that made the cloth and all the rest of it. We don't know. Maybe he did the whole lot. Maybe his whole business was from sheep 
to shop. Maybe it was like, maybe he did the whole thing. He's in this rich, wealthy city, and, uh, but there's a horrific truth about this period, and it's a horrific truth that is still true of today. The horrific truth of this city, like in most places of the empire, was that slavery was commonplace. Back 2,000 years ago, if you encountered the Roman Empire, you would discover that between 10 and 20% of the entire population of the Roman Empire, 50 million people at that point, 10 to 20% of that population were slaves. It's shocking, isn't it? 10 to 20% means what? What's that of 50 million? I don't know. 5 to 10 million people were slaves in the Roman day. That's mad, isn't it? And so here we have this guy Philemon, a wealthy Roman citizen in a wealthy Roman city. The norm of his day was for wealthy people and wealthy families to own people, was to own slaves. Philemon's no different. Philemon owns slaves. But something really significant happened in Philemon's life. Ten years earlier, in AD 52, Philemon goes to Ephesus. I assume he was on some kind of business trip or maybe a family holiday because it was closer to the sea. I don't know. All right? But 100 miles east from Colossae is Ephesus. And Philemon rocks up at a time when the Apostle Paul has landed on a boat. And for two years and three months, the Apostle Paul is in Ephesus sharing with the whole city the wonder and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at some point in these two years and three months, Philemon goes on his business trip or his family holiday and he comes into contact with the message of Jesus. He hears the Apostle Paul preaching and teaching. This slave-owning Roman citizen becomes a Christian. He gives his life to Christ. And it's incredible what happens in his life. He goes back home to Colossae and his faith grows and grows from a spark into a flame into a fire. And such is the transformation of Philemon's life that he even opens his home up so that new people can come and find out about Jesus. That's amazing, isn't it? What a radical transformation. It's gone from the Roman citizen's house being his castle, and if you are not like me, you're not welcome, to a man meeting with Christ and then opening his home to everyone, including his staff, slaves. What a turnaround. From that moment on, Philemon is a new creation operating in a culture set in its disgusting ways. Do you hear me this morning? The moment you became a Christian people, the moment you became followers of Jesus, we became new creations. And like Philemon, started a journey of working out what it means to be Christian. Working out what it means to follow Christ. Working out what it means for the old ways to fall away and for the new ways of God to become everything we're about. More and more people start to become Christians in Philemon's home city. Him and his wife and his son open their home and and their faith deepens. And we get the impression from the Apostle Paul, you'll see in the letter, that he'd got to know Philemon pretty well because he he knows that Philemon's a good guy. He knows that Philemon is hospitable and sharing what he has with others. We find out that Philemon in his church community is an encourager. Any encouragers in the room? Anyone ever been encouraged by another brother and sister in the room? Philemon's an encourager. He's a champion of the people. He brings refreshing to the other believers in the neighborhood. He loves God and his faith in Jesus is real. 
Can you imagine how wild it must have been for the poor and the slaves of that city to hear that Philemon's become a Christian? Have you heard? And not only that, we're allowed in his house. (laughs) Guys, we get to eat his food. This is mental. What's going on? This is amazing. Can you imagine the buzz in the city that if God can save Philemon, he can save anyone? Don't you know that if God can save you, he can save anyone, right? But like us, Philemon was on a journey to becoming more like Christ. Like all of us, he was on a journey of becoming more like Christ. As great as Philemon was, there's still this weird thing about him, about his situation that he's still a slave owner. How can that possibly be compatible with being a follower of Christ? It can't be, and it needed to be challenged. Can I say something pretty deep? You ain't slave owners this morning. That's good news, right? However, there, is, there are things about our lives that when we come to Christ, we just fly like rockets in certain areas of our life, correct? And then there are other things that we find really hard to break off over time. Philemon's thing was it was very hard to break off the culture of his day. And in the culture that we live in, it's hard to break off some of those world culture things in order to pursue Jesus. Let's leave it there with Philemon. Let's meet Onesimus. Onesimus is the, the guy with his back to us. He's running away. Onesimus is a slave and he works in the household of Philemon. His name means useful. That's not a nice name. Millions of slaves had the name, had the name Onesimus because it labelled them as what they were for the benefit of someone else. Onesimus was useful. He was useful because he worked and he lined Philemon's pockets. He didn't have a name that meant important or valuable or loved or cherished. He was simply labelled according to what he brought to other people's lives. Ten years earlier, Onesimus witnesses the transformation of his master, Philemon. He sees that he's come to Jesus. And we, we don't know uh, if uh, Philemon was good to Onesimus or not good to, to Onesimus. We presume that if he was a Christian, we presume that because he was so hospitable that we know that perhaps he was a Perhaps he was a good master, if there is such a thing. We have no idea what Onesimus did, but at some point, he really, really badly offended Philemon. We get the impression that Onesimus, this slave, we get the impression that he stole something that belonged to Philemon. We don't know whether he took advantage of Philemon's good nature now that he'd come to Christ, or we don't know if he'd just taken his chance and nicked a bag of money and fled for his freedom. We don't know what he did, but we do know that he deeply offended Philemon. You see, slave masters in those days, if you offended, if you were offended by your slaves, you had the right to kill your slave to make an example to all the others. This is a, this is a brutal society we're talking about. So rather than sticking around to see what Philemon would do, Onesimus runs for his life. Absolutely pegs it. He runs 1,300 miles. If he walked for 12 hours a day, 1,300 miles, it would take him 36 days to finish his journey, 12 hours a day non-stop walking. He doesn't just run away, he flees, he pegs it. And he doesn't just go anywhere, he goes to Rome the most populated planet, the most populated city on the planet at that point. If you wanted to hide, would you stick out isolated so that people could see you from a distance or would you hide yourself in a crowd, hello? 
And so, uh, so Onesimus flees, runs as far as he can, and he goes into the lion's den of Rome itself, and he's hidden in the crowd. But something remarkable happens. You see, it doesn't matter how far you run or how well you think you're hidden, God can find you in the midst of all of it. The Apostle Paul at this point is in Rome. He's under house arrest. He's been there for a while because telling the truth of God can get you into trouble sometimes when you're speaking against the culture you find yourself in. He ends up in trouble. He ends up in prison. And somehow this runaway Onesimus finds himself encountering the Apostle Paul who's in prison under house arrest. How on earth did God make that impossible situation happen? We don't know. But we know that Onesimus encounters the Apostle Paul. Can I encourage you this morning? If you find yourself riddled with some kind of guilt because you're running away from a situation or wanting to hide from God because of something you've done or scared of the consequences, let me encourage you that God can meet us in our running and in our hiding. Is that good news this morning? Psalm 139, David says, Where can I go from your spirit, God? Where can I flee from your presence? And then he says in verse 23, 24, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know me. Know my anxious thoughts. And see if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. God can meet us wherever we're running and wherever we're hiding. So Onesimus bumps into Paul, and he ends up giving his life to Christ as well. Is that incredible? And he stays with Paul under house arrest. And while he's there, Onesimus is discipled. And Paul says, Onesimus has become like a son to me. Isn't that beautiful? Why is Paul writing to Philemon? So that's Philemon and that's Onesimus. Why is Paul writing a letter that we're going to look at in a sec? Paul's in a pickle, you see, because he knows both men and he knows that there's an enormous elephant in the room between them. And Paul's like, I know Philemon and I know he's kicking on with Jesus. I know that he's being transformed by the love of God. And I know Onesimus now. And I know what he's become. I know the new creation that he's become. But there's this gaping big issue between these two, one slave master and slave. There's a big gaping elephant in the room between these two brothers. Do you see the change that's happened? See, the scriptures tell us that where brothers dwell in unity, God commands a blessing. Philemon has no idea where Onesimus has run to. He may be waiting to receive Onesimus back like the prodigal son's dad and, and wanting to receive him, or Philemon might want to kill him. Onesimus has come to Christ. He knows Philemon's a Christian, and this wedge between them doesn't feel anything like the family of God. And so there's this thing that's rising up in Paul and Onesimus that we've got to put this situation right. Are you still with me this morning? You see, Onesimus needs to confront his past for a freer future. And Philemon needs the opportunity to become more like Christ by forgiving the one who offended him. So, let's eavesdrop on their letter. Here it is. Coming up on the screen. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church that meets in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you noticed how he addresses it to Philemon, but he's also addressed it to the church that meets in your house? See, Paul's intention is, what I'm about to write to you is personal for now, but it's going to go public and it's going to change everything. Verse 4, 
Philemon, I thank God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of your faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith, Philemon, may be effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived, Philemon, much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the heart of the saints have been refreshed by you. What's Paul saying? He's saying, Philemon, I know who you are. We serve together. We run together. I know who you are. I know the best version of you. I know what you've done for others. But Philemon, there's more to come. And the next part of this letter is Paul starting to beg for the life of Onesimus. And Paul knows who he is in Christ, so he could really give Philemon a thumping if he wanted to, but he doesn't. Look what he says. He says, accordingly, even though I'm bold enough, Philemon, enough, I'm bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. For love's sake, I would rather appeal to you. I'm an old man, and now I'm a prisoner for Christ Jesus. I appeal to you, my child, uh, to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Paul's being punny. Do you remember what Onesimus meant? It meant what? Useful. And so Paul's not only buttering Philemon up a bit, going, mate, I know how cool you are. I know you're a good guy. Hey, listen, by the way, (laughs) that guy who was useless is in fact useful. Remember his name. As much as Paul, see, church, wants Onesimus to stay around because he's become like a father to him, he knows that the broken relationship between Onesimus and Philemon needs to be addressed. Paul's attitude towards Onesimus is like, mate, I love you being here and I love having you around. But reconciliation is the work of God and we need to, we need to put our best foot forward in this situation. Church, can I encourage you this morning that when we practice forgiveness and reconciliation, we evidence the work of the kingdom of God. Is that good news? Let's pick the letter back up. So Paul says, I am sending Onesimus back to you and I'm sending my very heart with him. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might be by compulsion but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant but more than a bondservant as a beloved what? brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. This letter is one of the smallest books in the Bible, but one of the most explosive countercultural things ever written. This is an outrageous request of Paul to Philemon. He's effectively saying, don't just forgive the guy and let him back as a slave. He's saying, he's saying, embrace him as your equal. No longer see him as a slave, but treat him as your own flesh and blood. If Philemon does this, it will cause, here's a word, phrase, a paradigm shift. Philemon, if you accept this one slave as a brother and receive him as your own flesh and blood, something is going to change so profoundly that it's going to echo down the ages. A paradigm shift is when an old way of thinking is suddenly replaced by a new way of thinking. The old has gone, the new has come. Are you with me today? Church, you experienced a paradigm shift when you met Jesus. You were one way, and then you were a new creation. You hear me today? You were lost, but then you were, you were blind, but then you were able to see. 
The old ways of thinking and operating don't apply to you anymore. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has gone as the new has come. And what Paul is asking Philemon to show to a repentant Onesimus is grace, mercy, goodness, kindness, and generosity. Does Onesimus deserve anything from Philemon? Probably not. But does does Philemon deserve the mercy of God? No. But did he receive it? Yes. Do you deserve the mercy of God? No. But did you receive it? Yes. And so if we are freely receiving, we ought to freely give. He carries on the letter. So Philemon, if you consider me your partner, receive Onesimus as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. See Paul taking the rap here. I, Paul, write this with my own hand and I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, to, uh, to say nothing of your owing me, even yourself. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. What's Paul mean there? He's saying, look, I'm asking you to receive from my brother, but because I know the work of God is, in, is going on in your life, I'm kind of suspecting that you'll set this guy free. Paul knows that when a follower of Christ steps out in faith and practices forgiveness and reconciliation, there's even more that God can do with that follower. Do you hear me? Forgiveness lets go of the past to release us into a freer future. I think what Paul's trying to say to Philemon here is, I reckon, mate, that once you've stepped out in generous forgiveness, you'll actually want to release Anissimus into generous freedom. Because when you've taken one step of faith, you'll get a taste for it and you'll take another. And then you'll take another and you'll take another. Paul says, he says, at the same time, prepare a guest room for me because I'm coming to see you. Man, Paul's laying it on thick, isn't he? You better have set him free, mate, because I'm coming. I'm coming to check, man. And then he says this, and I love this. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, sends greetings to you, and so does Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in your spirit. Hey, by the way, everyone knows I'm writing this letter, and uh, all the boys say hi, by the way. And, um, and uh, so listen, we're in chains, right? And you've got a guy who should be in chains, but you have the opportunity to set him free. So what are you going to do, bro? What are you going to do? I love the Apostle Paul. He's blunt, he's to the point, and he gets stuff done. Listen, Philemon, not just me, but all the boys are saying hi, hoping that you'll do what's right in the eyes of God. Church, we've got to encourage each other as a family to do what's right in the eyes of God. Do you hear me? The the scriptures talk about that we don't lord it over each other. We don't lord it over one another. It's not a hierarchy of power and weakness in the kingdom of God. But if 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 I have a trusted friend, if I have a trusted friend and they see me going away that is not towards Christ, they have the authority to encourage me in God. Do you know the Proverbs say, the wounds of a friend are faithful? Linda said some pretty cutting things to me over the years, as you can imagine. But the wounds of a friend, the wounds of a friend are faithful. We go back to the age of 16 and we started a church together and we grew together. And we've challenged each other. And as a family of God, we will challenge each other, not because we are judging, but because we see that there is God potential in us more than we've experienced. Embrace it. A word about slavery at this point. People are often annoyed with Paul because in this letter, he doesn't outright say slavery is wrong. 
And over the years, some people have used this, this letter to justify keeping people in slavery. That's a load of rubbish. When you take the scriptures out of context, you end up with rubbish. When you read it in the context frame it's meant to be written in, you'll find that Paul champions freedom of slaves time and time and time and time again. But you see, here's the thing. Paul doesn't get a megaphone and start shouting his, his political idea of slavery um, because in those days it had been like using a feather to break a brick wall down. Instead, what Paul decides to do is come alongside people, help them discover Christ, disciple them, allow God's transformation to happen and let transformation then happen in the world. Because Paul's not into hitting brick walls with megaphones or feathers. He's into melting the foundations. Does that make sense? Paul would rather break slavery from the inside out than the outside in. That's what he's doing here. And I want to encourage you that this little letter has been used throughout the centuries to help uh, abolish slavery. Is that good news? Because Paul's saying, don't treat him like that. He's your brother. Let's bring this into land. Bit of a history lesson. You okay? Can I make some bold statements? We've all been an Onesimus at some point or other. You know what I'm saying? At some point or other, we've wronged someone and run away. Hello? Let's be honest. But just like Paul said to Onesimus, it's time to confront your past. Trust God for a freer future. Maybe the challenge this morning, church, is, friend, it's time to confront your past. Acknowledging the consequences of your actions and humbly ask to be forgiven. It's challenging, isn't it? Perhaps you're not an Onesimus this morning. Perhaps you're a Philemon this morning. Perhaps you've been wronged at some point. But then God started to do a work in your life. It's time to become more like Christ, like Paul was challenging Philemon. And afford forgiveness to someone who has offended you. It's challenging, isn't it? Perhaps this morning you're not Onesimus and you're not Philemon, but you're more of a, a Paul. Or you really want to be a Paul. Perhaps you have a desire to be the right person in people's lives. Perhaps you have a desire to be chosen by God and be in the right place at the right time to help others reconcile. May we all have the opportunity and the guts and the faithfulness to be a Paul. Raising, discipling and enabling reconciliation. I'll tell you who's brilliant at that. If you need a mediator, your pastor John Rowe is absolutely wonderful. We serve together very closely and I've had the delight of seeing how he helps people to reconcile. Any one of you in this room could be a Christ-centered reconciler. Do you know that? Last thing I'll say is this, and it links into some of the words that were said earlier. We have what the Bible calls treasure in this skin and bone, this jar of clay, and this treasure is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of God. Right? Someone prayed earlier, let us be confident, let us be bold in sharing the message of Jesus. And I want to encourage you that Paul was under house arrest, he was under a lot of stress at the time, I'm sure. And this runaway slave was the least of his issues. But he made time for him. Did you notice? In a city of millions, Paul noticed 
Onesimus and they connected and he led him to Jesus. Imagine if Paul couldn't give two hoots about Onesimus. We would never have had a culture changing, paradigm shifting, personal letter written as part of our scriptures if Paul couldn't be bothered. Isn't that a challenge? Isn't that fascinating? So can I encourage you this morning, and I'm speaking to myself as well, it's been a long time since I personally led someone to Jesus. I want to start leading people to Jesus again. Anyone else? Do you want to start leading people to Jesus? Amen. So this morning, I'm just going to ask Sam just to come and minister for us a second. A lot's being said by this potent little letter. Can I just encourage a few moments of prayer? Reflect. Is there anyone I need to ask forgiveness of? If it's appropriate, of course. Be safe in your choices, wise in your choices. But ask honestly, is there anyone that I need to ask forgiveness of? Perhaps, Lord, is there anyone you need me to forgive? Is there, am I being held back in any way because of unforgiveness that I've not dealt with? Lord, I want to be a reconciler. Anoint me with your Holy Spirit to not miss the opportunity to help people reconcile to you and to others. Just have a few moments of private prayer. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, God. Bless you, God. I feel like there might be someone this morning who feels like they've they've been running away from God for a while. Trying to hide away from the truth that God is ready to restore and heal and set free. I encourage you from the scripture that God does not treat us as our sins deserve. But with compassion like a father, he lifts us up where we're at. And he delivers us. And in a moment of prayer, in a moment of faith, in a moment of belief, when somebody says, Jesus, thank you for paying my sin debt on the cross. You go from being a slave to the culture of sin and culture of the world to becoming a child of God, a new creation. If there's anyone in the room today who is desiring to be a new creation in Jesus, would you just raise your hand for me this morning? Amen. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Bless you. Father, I thank you for every heart and every mind. Thank you, Lord, that you find us no matter how far we run or how well we think we hide. You love us and you come for us. And your heart is that we would be reconciled and freed into a freer future with you. Bless this house, Lord. Bless this church. Let your kingdom values create paradigm shifts in all of our lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thanks again for listening. To hear more of our messages, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel for past preaches. 
If you feel like you got something out of today's message, why not share it with your friends and spread the good news of Jesus? We are praying for you. We love you. So please, if you need anything at all, check out springschurch.co.uk. God bless.